Welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle, a podcast for midlife moms who want to make the next season of life their best one yet. I am your host, Jenny Gwynn. You might find yourself transitioning into a new phase of life as your children become more independent or leave the nest. Mama, I am here to tell you that your life isn't over. You simply have new opportunities ahead of you. After years of pouring your heart and soul into raising your family, it is your turn to reconnect with yourself. In this podcast, we will talk about the joys and challenges of midlife. You will be inspired to rediscover your God-given purpose or to dust off old dreams and make them a reality. You'll learn how to navigate relationships with your adult children, to reconnect in your marriage, or focus on your health by being more active or finally losing the weight you've struggled with for years. Whatever this next season of life brings, this podcast will equip and encourage you to be happy, healthy, and holy. Hey friends, welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle. I'm so glad that you are joining me this week. I am here with my friend, Christine Bruce. And the reason Christine is here is Christine is a mom in the middle who is going all in for Christ. And each month, I want to share with you the inspirational story of a mom in the middle going all in for Christ. Sometimes that looks like leading a ministry. Sometimes that may be serving and helping in different ways or maybe different things they're doing with their family. And so I'm so excited to have Christine with me today. Welcome, Christine. Hi, welcome. Thanks for having me. So, Christine, tell us who you are and tell us about your ministry. Okay, yeah. So, my name's Christine, and I'm a mom in the middle. I have five kids, two are married, one just had a a child, and then I have parents and a mother-in-law. So, yeah, I'm totally right there in the middle with you. Doing all the things. Yeah, doing all the things. And then in my free time, I run an apostolate called Praying for Our Prodigals. Because, you know, everyone knows that Catholics are leaving the church in large quantities, the mass exodus of Catholics. And so I saw a real need for people who are still left in the pews, primarily moms and grandmas who want to pray for the return of their children and grandchildren to the church. And so, yeah, I provide, you know, prayer, support, encouragement to parents of Catholics. It's a beautiful ministry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Let's talk about that. So your apostolate praying for the, the prodigals. We probably all have been impacted by a loved one leaving the church from walking away from the church, especially when we look at like our generation and our children, especially our children. It seems like they're leaving in droves. Will you talk a little bit about that and what you're seeing in your work and talking with others? Will you share about what we're experiencing in the church yeah, it's super unfortunate what we're experiencing, actually. So I guess right around now, we're at about 25% of the population of the U.S. population is still Catholic. And then 25% of the population is evangelical. And many, many of those are fallen away Catholics. And then 25% of the population categorizes them as no affiliation. So they're as numerous as we Catholics. And of course, a lot of those are fallen away Catholics as well. 
And so it's also just not even the Catholic Church, Christian churches, all denominations are seeing a uh, decrease in their numbers. I'm sure it has to do maybe with the rise of science and everything needs to be proven. Relativism, of course, has been a huge influence. Like, you can't tell me, you know, what's true and what's not true. There is no truth. So there's so many different factors. The devil is definitely alive and kicking, definitely working hard to break down the family and break down from the truth. So that's kind of where we are. Um, when we look at this, we look at the situation in the church and for those of us who love our faith, and I can't imagine living my life without that faith, without going to Mass and receiving the Eucharist. It is heartbreaking to see so many people walking away or so many people not seeing the importance of it like we do. It's easy to share those numbers, but, and you said it's, you know, relativism, it's people want proof or data that, that things are real before they believe. What are some of the other things that you're seeing in your own experiences in dealing with some of the the women in your ministry who are coming to you? What are they experiencing or what have you seen in families that are pushing people away from the church? I mean, it's so many, (laughs) so many reasons that we can give. You know, divorced people don't want to go through the annulment process or the annulment process is too complicated. That could be a whole situation there, Um, you know. The abuse scandal that's wrecked the church in the last few years, of course, could be an issue. The mismanagement of money could be an issue. There, there are so many reasons, you know, that people can get for leaving the church. But at the end of the day, I think it comes down to a couple reasons. They possibly, very likely, have not been properly catechized to what the church has. They, they don't even believe in the real presence in the Eucharist. I, I think the numbers are. You know, only 30% of Catholics believe that. So then at the same time, they haven't, they don't have a kind of, you know, personal relationship with Jesus, right? So they don't understand even what they're leaving, right? So they can say all these other reasons, which all those are true and legit. But if, but if they knew what they were leaving, they wouldn't be able to leave. They would see past those failings that, you know, the church has done or that, that have happened over the years, you would stay because you have a relationship with Jesus and you want to receive him in the Eucharist. And so that's, that's really the end of the, in my, my understanding from what I, you know, I, it's just that people don't understand what they're walking away from at the end of the day. Right. So you brought up two points talking about divorce and the abuse in the church. And I know in talking with people who have left the church, even in my family, the sons and daughters of some of my friends, one of them is because of divorce. And and I have friends, maybe you do as well, who, because of the church's teachings on divorce, don't always feel welcomed. They they don't completely understand the church teachings, and it's easy to believe that they aren't welcomed because they're divorced. So I think, like you said, you know, making sure people are properly catechized and know that everybody is welcome into the church, right? Like everybody has a place in our church and everybody is welcomed, but some people don't feel that way. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, of course. And same thing with all the same-sex marriage that we have now and all the, you know, issues around that and and it is a misunderstanding right it 
everybody is welcome, but we don't want anyone to purposefully be living in sin if they can choose not to. Whatever that sin may be, we're all sinners. Right. And so, so we're all welcome there. No and church is a sin. place of healing. Church is a place. Right. Like that's what people don't know that they're walking away from. Church is a place where you come and find forgiveness and healing and become whole again, become complete. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. I really try to encourage parents to limit the talking they do with their loved ones that are away from the church. Um, a common mistake is people are looking for a one-liner that will convince them to come back. Um, I'm pretty sure there isn't one because I feel like if there was, Jesus would have made sure we knew that before he left. <laughs> right. And, you know, um, and, or what, you know, what can I say to convince them to come back? And once again, we can look at Jesus. He was not able to convince every Jewish person to follow him while he walked this earth. And the thing is, you know, if you raised your children Catholic, you know, most of them know what you know about the church. Many, many fallen away Catholics are very well informed Catholic. They know what, you know, what is going on to a certain degree, right? Maybe not everything like the Eucharist, like we talked about, but typically, Adult children do not want to hear from parents regarding the faith. They don't want to be convinced to come back. They don't want to be nagged to go to Mass, whether that's Christmas, Easter, any other Sunday. I typically try to encourage the parents to do what they can do, which is these four pillars, trust, pray, sacrifice, and love. And, you know, it's really those are my talking points, you know, week after week, not all of them all at once, right? But those are what I come back to because... We can all grow in trust. We can all do more praying. I'm, I'm firmly, I firmly believe we can all do more praying. We, fasting is one of those things that has fallen by the wayside in the church. And so fasting and sacrifice and then love, which love can mean a lot of things. But primarily I try to encourage parents to just love their children where they are. I mean, that's where God loves them too, right? And so how can we let, how can we grow in love for God and let God's love flow through us to our children? no matter what path they're on right now and just love them to an intense degree because, you know, they're hurting. Some, something has gone wrong that they're hurting and, and they need healing. And like you said, that can come through God's love. It's just like when you have, you know, when your children were younger, if a child was sick, you know, with a flu, you would give them more attention because that's what they needed at that moment. And if your child is away from the church that they need you, but in a special way, they don't need nagging. They need love, loving them where they are. Now, if your child comes to you with questions or comments, I mean, sure, of course, talk to them about it. But I, I really encourage moms and parents to just wait for the child to bring it up and not the other way around. And that's so tricky. I can speak from experience that when you talk about not nagging and not pressuring them to go to church. I'm guilty of trying to lay that guilt trip on my children of going at Christmas and going at Easter. And, you know, this would mean the world to me if you would go. There, There is a difference going because I don't want mom to be upset with me versus going because I know what I will receive and what I will find at church. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. I, I get that. I completely understand because I know other people just like that. You know, it's like, oh, it'd be so much. It means so much if so-and-so would go. And I'm like, well, we want them to go for the right reason. 
you know, and, and if they're sitting there picking their fingernails, you know, during everything, the constipation, it's not such a pleasant feeling to be around, you know? Right. So these four pillars, trust, pray, sacrifice, and love, that's what you're encouraging parents, grandparents, family members to do during the waiting. That's right. That's right. Yes. And to help, you know, and that, you know, God always hears our prayers. God always answers our prayers. We don't know exactly the time, right? But, you know, when we pray, something always happens. And so, and at the same time too, God wants us to intervene, right? We're, we're called to be intercessory prayer people for our loved ones. And so if we are just waiting without doing those things, we could be waiting even an extended amount of time or never. The, the conversion may never happen. We are called to participate in the salvation of souls. God told us that. Right. And one of the things that like really helped start this apostolate was that I came across a passage in the diary of St. Faustina. And it was just like during morning prayer. And anyway, so Jesus tells St. Faustina, my daughter, I want to instruct you on how you are to rescue souls. I was like, what? Like, like, hi, she, he's going to tell her right now how to rescue souls. Like, are you kidding me? Okay. What, what does he say? And he's like, my daughter. Okay. I want to tell you how to, how to rescue souls through sacrifice and prayer. You'll save more souls through prayer and suffering than will a missionary through his teachings and sermons alone. Okay. So he flat out told it to her. And of course, if he's sounded to her, that applies to us as well. And so it's like right there, prayer and suffering. And I'm like, I, I don't understand why this is not being preached on it from every single pulpit in the Catholic church, because there is nothing more important than saving souls. Like where, why, why is it that I had to find that on my own? Like, and I'm, maybe it's been hidden or, you know, it revealed in other messages, not as clearly, or <laughs> I really don't know. But that struck me like it's a ton of bricks. I mean, it was November 11th, 2018. And that's how this apostolate started. I had just left Lighthouse Catholic Media and um, was kind of in this little in-between place. And then this came to me. So then I brought it to my spiritual director and I'm like, what do you think this means? And, right, you know, what it, to me, right, we know what it means. But so I prayed about it, talked about it, talked to some priests about it. And I really looked for something else. Like, I'm just like, surely there's somebody else I can just support. And like, you know, like, yeah, somebody doing something like this. Of course, there are books out there. Um, but I didn't really see a lot as far as like ongoing support. And when, when I first went to kind of, you know, talk to other leaders about this particular problem, I didn't feel like I got a lot of support that I needed. It was like, oh, don't worry. You just need to pray. They'll, they'll come. Don't worry. They'll come back. I was like, okay. Okay. That one little line just is not enough for people who really, who really love the Lord and really want their kids to come back. Like, okay, just pray, don't worry. I thank you, Padre Pio. I know that's a great line, but I needed really more. Like how much praying, how much, you know, sacrificing, when are they coming back? Of course, no one can answer that. But, um, and so I, I did look, I really didn't want to start in a apostle, to be honest. <laughs> I just wanted to find somebody else doing it and I would kind of join in and support but there really wasn't anything much going on. And so that's when I started this one. And it seems so simple. When you read that, it's just a short sentence, save souls through 
prayer and suffering. Like, okay, prayer and suffering. It seemed like it should be simple, but it's not simple, right? It's a, it's a hard path to, to walk as a parent when you want the best for your child or for your loved one and knowing what they're missing out on. You mentioned that you are a new grandmother and, and I'm a new grandmother and my child who is a dad now, I often think about being a parent, and I always had my faith to fall back on and how comforting that was. And, you know, it gave you strength and encouragement and helped you make sense of all the craziness raising a family and how difficult that would be as a parent to not have that to fall back on, that when you're making decisions or when things don't make sense, to have that to fall back on. And, you know, I think that's where it's hard not to say anything, not to nag, like, well, if you only went to church or I want to share scripture passages or prayers or whatever it is that it makes me sad for my children because of what I know they're missing. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I've talked to other women in the same exact situation where it's like, our family get-togethers, you know, for the holidays are disconnected or just kind of awkward because feel like you can't talk about that because if you do, then that person feels excluded or they, you know, don't believe that or, yeah, so you really have to walk a fine line sometimes. I think that's part of the suffering, right? You can offer that up. I personally believe that it's more important to have a relationship than it is to be right. They They know where you stand on it and... If you sever the relationship because of, and I'm not talking about you personally, but any mom or grandma, if, if they're, if they're nagging too often, the child as an adult has the right to not see you or not talk to you or just be distant or not call frequently. So maybe there's a relationship, but it's not good. And I, I just think that now I know, you know, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Great. However, if there is no communication, you know, or it's very limited, I think it's hard. It's hard to show somebody you love them when there's no relationship, right? Right. So, so I think it's just important to maintain the relationship. And if that means that sometimes we have to be silent, that, that's, that's the way I prefer to go. That's the way I've been counseled to go. Um, and that's the way I recommend to go. And and I've gotten that from many reverts as well. I try to interview reverts as much as possible. And, <laughs> you know, and is there any advice you would like to give my audience? Yes. Do not tag your child. You know, do not, do not try to convince them to come back. You have to do it. You have, it's that surrender novena. You have to let the Lord take care of it. And silence seems like the opposite, right? It seems like the opposite of taking action. Because like you said, it seems like I should have that one-liner. I should know that perfect thing to say to them so that they want to come back. Sure. And then it, it makes it, it is hard to me too, because right, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations. And there's a cer- certain sense of urgency here. I'm not saying don't talk to your child, but you've got to be so careful. You have, it just, you know, because yeah, Jesus wants us going out and they're making disciples, but maybe we're meant to make a different child a disciple. You know what I mean? Like we can pray that God will put somebody in our path that needs to hear the good news. 
And that's probably not going to be our child from us, but maybe I'd run into your child and you'd run into my child. You know, who knows? The place care can work in a lot of different ways. And, and so one of the things I do encourage people to praise, like, you know, St. Ambrose was, you know, very influential in having Augustine and helping Augustine with his conversion. And so I encourage parents to pray for a St. Ambrose to come into your child's life because they're going to be more open to hearing it from a, somebody like that than they are from us. Absolutely. And one of my holy helpers, I like to call the saints that I call on quite often, is St. Monica. Of course. So, yeah. you know, she prayed for so long for the conversion of her son, and she never gave up. She was always right there with him. And, you know, from what we know about her, it took a very long time for him to come around. It's the time it takes a very long time. <laughs> it, may, it takes a very long time. But— the good news is we can be growing in our own sanctification as well. I mean, she wasn't a saint when she started either, and neither are we. And so through growing and trusting the Lord, praying, sacrifice, love, you know, through grow through your own growth too, you're becoming a saint and you're working on your own sanctification. And so there are things you can do. You can feel like you're really doing your part to help in their conversion, yet not feel the stress of talking to them and talking to them about dogmas and Catholic teachings. I mean, because some, some of them will be able to out-talk you, especially, not you, but you know, people in general, especially if they start, like, if you have an atheist, they know all the arguments. They So tell me more about your apostolate. How does it work? If somebody wants to learn more, if they want to get involved, tell us about how that works. The website where everything is kept is called prayingforprodigals.com. Basically, it's that's where you can sign up to get the emails. It's a very, you know, this isn't a very private, personal topic that we're talking about. So there really isn't much on the website other than signing up for the emails. So then I send an email on Fridays to encourage, you know, to remind people on Fridays. Like we did a big fasting group back in the fall on Fridays. I encourage everyone to fast for the conversion of their loved ones. And I let people be guided by the Holy Spirit, what that means. They can do a strict bread and water. They can skip breakfast, lunch, you know, they can skip snacks. I, I don't really care so much that what they do. I just want them to do something. I offer a weekly rosary on the phone, Wednesdays, three o'clock central. So they can, when they get on the list, they can ask me for the phone number to call in. It's also private. I don't put that on the internet. It's just, you know, a private little group of people praying for their return. And then also right now we're having five masses a week offered for the return of all the people that are a part of the apostolate. So that's a huge blessing to us. So I'm so grateful for the priests that provide the mass for us. And then if they can't make Wednesdays at three, which most people can't, they can start their own group and I can give them advice on how to start their own rosary group. Uh, so now that you've been doing this a while, as we wrap up, can you share with us, obviously without names, a story where someone has come back home, where someone has come back into the church? You know, we don't always know how or what happens that somebody comes back. I mean, there have been many. I have this one guy who, after being in the Wednesday group for a while, he started his own family group. He's a little bit older than us. And um, he came from a family of like, he had like eight or nine siblings. And so they were praying the rosary every night at eight. Well, the ones that were still in the church. And then they had a brother who was away from the church. And so they were praying for his return. And then, of course, they all have grandkids and, you know, a big family. Mm -hmm. 
And so they're paying for all of their return. And he did call me recently. He's like, you're never going to believe it. Well, of course, I would believe it. But, <laughs> you know, but yeah, his brother did come back to the church. And now he's praying the rosary with them nightly. He's reading the Bible, reading Catholic books, you know, and just it has been a huge 180 turnaround. It's spent most of his life, most of his life, I'm saying like 20, 30 years as a fallen away Catholic and is now back. I hear of deathbed conversions. That's very common. I've seen atheists that are now like all the way back, you know, going to traditional Latin mass. I mean, it's just, the Lord can do it and he will do it, but we have to just allow him to work, you know, in his time and in the person's time, because it's got to be free will on their behalf. He doesn't want them to be forced into it, right? Just like as parents, we don't want our children to feel like they're forced into loving us or spending time with us. So he he wants them to come freely. And so he's got to, it takes time. <laughs> so Christine, for that mom who may be listening and thinking this will work for everybody else, but my child, my child is too fallen away or is too far away from the church. What words of wisdom would you share with her? nobody is too far away for the Lord. I mean, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. And just like I said earlier, you know, that that child is sick, right? And needs some sort of healing. And the Lord is going to pay more attention to that child probably than you or me. Now, granted, he's present to all of us, right? But he knows, he knows what your child needs and he's going to be providing it. And he's going to just keep looking for a little bitty opening in that person's heart, you know? where he can just get in there and, and work work the way he does. I wouldn't give up hope, right? We're called to trust, you know, that Jesus, I trust in you, right? Like I, if, if you're really struggling with something like that, like you think your child's too far away, I would definitely recommend getting a divine mercy image <laughs> and hanging it where you will see it regularly. And just anytime your mind goes to the negative, Jesus, I trust in you because it's a sin to worry. I mean, it is a sin and that needs to be confessed, right? And the confessional and, and then also the priest can maybe give you some pointers, but I would just really, Jesus, I trust in you. And then that surrender novena that's, you can look up online is super helpful too. Oh my Jesus, I surrender my child to you. Take care of everything. Those are my two go-tos. Right. So there's always hope. We have a that's God. Right. You, there's, there's always hope that what seems impossible can be possible. That's right. Yeah. All right, Christine, thanks for being with me today. If they want to find out more information or get on your mailing list, you can go to prayingforourprodigals.com. And let's close with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come together. Thank you for this beautiful ministry that you have placed on Christine's heart. Lord, we ask that you strengthen her, equip her so that she can go out and help evangelize, that she can encourage parents, grandparents, family members of fallen away Catholics. Lord, we ask that you wrap your arms around those that we love who have stepped away from the church for whatever reason. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christine, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful ministry and for going all in for Christ. 
Thank you. For more information on Catholic Moms in the Middle or to set up your complimentary Moms in the Middle mentoring session, go to catholicmomsinthemiddle.com or find me on Facebook at Catholic Moms in the Middle for even more encouragement and support as you embrace this next season of life. The music for this podcast was written by Sean Williams, Catholic composer and musician. You'll find more of Sean's original music at musicbyshawnwilliams.com. That is musicbyshawn, S-H-A-W-N, williams.com. 